Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You gotta do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level. On SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. Well, we've got quasi, I guess, at the moment, at the very least, breaking news of the NFL, and it impacts a bunch of teams, three teams, if you will, all connected by division, and the ongoing saga that has been one of the most overblown stories in sports, and I don't mean overblown as far as how dare you cover it and how dare people talk about it, I mean overblown in sports like the faux outrage and just the fact that it's in our vision and it happens to be something where we can offer an opinion on just this outrage in its own right is so overblown in regards to cheating in baseball and cheating in professional sports and I don't even need to hit you which I won't this hour with opinion as far as my personal one or at least all of this hour won't be my opinion because we actually have tons of examples in front of us of teams that have cheated gotten away with it to an extent and long term there's been absolutely nothing zero repercussions whatsoever but before all of that it looks as if on the eve before the eve of championship sunday aaron jones got his twitter account hacked in one of the more unfortunate ways. Now, I get it. Like, he's a big star, especially out in Green Bay. And now, as they're one of four left, he's one of the few big names that people will point to in game planning and stuff. So maybe he's a bigger target. But this was sent out. I'm looking at the screen grab of it at least four times in a row instantly. It's like somebody copied and pasted. I thought Twitter prevented you from doing that. I thought Twitter, this is where I don't understand. I thought Twitter prevented you from saying, sending the same tweet over and over and over again. He says, I'd like to officially announce that I will not be playing in the NFC Championship game Sunday because Aaron Hernandez destroyed my booty hole and I cannot walk, let alone play football. Hashtag, I won't even read you what he's hashtagging. This is terrible. Oh, he's adding periods at the end to distinguish. the surface it's the second level on sb nation radio and on sbnationradio.com presented by rocket mortgage by quicken loans from the o'reilly auto parts studios here's aton shander might want to think about getting in on some in-game action iowa and michigan especially because when this thing began you would have had to tease down if anything but Swallow that five-and-a-half, six-point line that Iowa was laying at home against Michigan. But now, as the second half is about to begin, it's a six-and-a-half-point line where Michigan 
is getting the points on the road, only trailing 47-43 at plus 290 if you're feeling brave on the money line. So that might be something of interest. We'll keep an eye on this thing as it plays out. Nothing as far as too shocking right now in the NBA, but earlier saw the Philadelphia 76ers able to pull away from the Chicago Bulls without Joel Embiid. And right now we'll keep an eye, I guess a second eye, because I know Jack will be at least on the Mavs and Blazers game if, in fact, Portland can do anything. I think it was 280, 260 at least, if not 280 on the money line before that game tipped. And right now with a one-point game and early in the second quarter, it hasn't really changed much. Blazers have kind of dropped a little bit now, 210, if you will. So before we even look at the cheating scandal and the topic du jour of the week or maybe even broken down into like two or three days of a week, and I get it. It's an understandable story why it would hit the news cycle like this and blow up and people would be outraged and you'd hear from people like Jessica Mendoza and former players, those who would condone, those who would be upset, anybody who has a blue check mark and an MLB association next to them wants to weigh in, including current players who want to tell you just how awful this thing is. There are others who want to let you know on a scale of zero to panic that this thing is even beyond that and worse than anything Pete Rose did. It's just ridiculous the level of outrage that comes with everything. And I'll equate it before we even get into this news with the NFL, and then we'll get back into this deeper with and hear some cuts from both Mendoza and Sam Kennedy, the Red Sox president. But beyond that, you have to understand this whole thing is not specific to baseball, specific to cheating, specific to sports. It's just where we are right now due to the constant need, not just for a 24-hour news cycle. That's gone. That's The market has been oversaturated when it comes to news outlets providing just that, news and information, 24 hours. Now it's how can we get you to care? And care can be positive or negative, and it's much easier to have you outraged or nervous or scared than it is to feel good. Those things are far more sustainable. So outrage about this story carries much longer during the week than simply, ah, it's okay, let's just move on. That's A, what MLB wants, and also B, what I think a lot of people will dictate by their behavior and attitude towards teams that have gotten caught for a lot, including cheating, including stealing signs, if you will, or filming Super Bowl warm-ups. Jason Garrett steps into the Giants' offensive coordinator position, and yeah, I'm a little torn here. I really am. Because I don't want Jason Garrett as my offensive coordinator in Philadelphia as an Eagles fan. That Shander shows how you get me on Twitter. The Twitch channel's up, Maze and Aton. You can follow along on Facebook as well, SB Nation Radio, SBNationRadio.com. Understand, I don't want, nor do I feel like we missed out on anything. But I'll say this. Jason Garrett steps into what could and probably is a better situation, a better spot for a coordinator than here in Philadelphia, which is wild to say because you have Carson Wentz, you have a team that's now two years removed from winning a Super Bowl, and while a couple of those guys are old and probably moving on, 
It's not like Jason Peters was even on the field for that Super Bowl run. You still have a team that is way more stable than the New York Giants. Yet you look at one key element, and this is where I think Jason Garrett is going to surprise a lot of people. And look, I, I understand here in Philadelphia it would be met with a lot of ridicule. Washington would be met with a lot of ridicule. Dallas, people are probably like, we just dated that dude, man. What do you want? Are you serious? You know how crazy that person is? You've gone through this where you've dated crazy, and it doesn't matter what crazy looks like, but you've dated crazy. And then all of a sudden, somebody you know, not necessarily your best friend, in this case, it's like a frenemy. Washington, Dallas, New York, Philadelphia, a bunch of frenemies. And you start laughing because you hear or you see on Instagram a pic of the two of them. And you're just going through your mind like, man, I just got the hell away from that crazy. And here's this person, this fool, diving into that end of the pool. What are you thinking? That's the situation that I imagine a lot of cow. And look, rightfully so, based on how poor things were with Garrett himself. I do like the idea of Kellen Moore staying here, but I don't want to dive into anything else outside of this narrow pool of Jason Garrett and the move here to the Giants. It appears on the surface that the Giants' offensive coordinator is a better position than the Eagles' offensive coordinator because you have autonomy. And that's so key right now. And look, I don't want to turn this thing into an anti-Eagles or an anti-Doug Peterson controlling the whole thing and you need to allow somebody to come in and call plays. and That's going to be your downfall. But there is something to that when you start hiring people for coordinator positions. Corey Unlin, for example, new defensive coordinator out in Detroit, has a connection of past with Matt Patricia, yet is not going to call any plays. He'll be responsible for a whole hell of a lot more than he was here as a D-backs coach, but he's not there to call plays. He's not there to be in Patricia's ear and say, all right, we're running, fill in the blank, and Patricia calls it in, or he calls it in. There's zero autonomy, and that's the scenario here with the soon-to-be offensive coordinator. So, for example, Jeff McClain, who covers the team for Philly.com, the Inquirer, joined my show locally here in South Jersey, Philadelphia, and we talked about how Marty Morningweg is a name that pretty much identifies with the type of person they want as an offensive coordinator. Meanwhile, Jason Garrett leaves Dallas, goes to New York, has an arsenal, truly has a lot to work with, and you have the revenge factor involved right now. You have the drama. Giants-Cowboys games have just gotten significantly more important on the schedule. Giants-Cowboys, it has just added a huge element to this division. Think about it. The NFC East was a laughing stock, an absolute laughing stock. 51-49, 18-minute mark. Iowa's up over Michigan. It's a four-and-a-half-point in-game line. And now you look at the Giants, where the Cowboys are expected to make the playoffs. The Eagles are expected to make a playoff run. The Giants were kind of in limbo. A lot of it had to do with who they may draft right now at four. Also, how good can Daniel Jones be? And can you actually continue to rely so much 
on a guy like Saquon Barkley, who already has a lot of tread. Yeah, you've got younger receivers, Darius. Slayton clearly has a connection there. The offensive line is the biggest key. It's atrocious. It is ridiculous. It's negative in the ratings. Like, it's that bad. But right now, it's not like the Eagles have any wide receivers. There's a trade-off. The Giants have gotten significantly more interesting. I can't tell you that they've gotten better, but they've gotten more interesting. The Cowboys already have a built-in storyline. Mike McCarthy's there. Everything that has surrounded Mike McCarthy this week, you probably missed it with all the cheating stuff hit over your head and maybe Jason Garrett, where he may land type stuff with New York. But Mike McCarthy basically stepped in and said, eh, I'm not changing anything. I'm not even changing the current play call technology or terminology. I'm just going to allow Kellen Moore to continue to do his thing. That is a built-in storyline with a new head coach of Mike McCarthy's name and caliber. The Philadelphia Eagles were a crazy train wreck and won the division. And they're going to have an Amazon series, all access coming out. Look, even the Skins, bless their heart, even Washington is trying. They're trying to make an impact. They're trying to get noticed. Hey, hey, look, look at me. Look at me, Mom. I'm diving in the deep end, Mom. Look, look, I'm going off the diving board, Mom. Look, look, look. They're doing their best. And Ron Rivera's down there, but Ron Rivera doesn't do anything for me. He's going to be a good coach, and hopefully he's allowed to have some input in a lot of things that have gone tremendously wrong, and for them, infamously wrong with personnel and drafting. But he doesn't even move the needle like Mike McCarthy because McCarthy has basically come in already emasculated. We don't know yet if Daniel Snyder is going to emasculate Ron Rivera. We already know Mike McCarthy steps into that role like, here you go, just take it. You can have it. You can hold it. The beauty of what's gone right here is... Jason Garrett, I don't even care if it's out of spite. I know that the Philadelphia Eagles weren't looking at him, so I can't sit here and say, oh, they should have. No. The bigger picture was a team that just made the playoffs is looking for an offensive coordinator that just won the division, is looking for an OC. They can't find anybody. And Jason Garrett, of all people, has gone from Dallas to New York and did not spurn the Eagles because the Eagles didn't come calling because Garrett, like everybody else on the planet, wants to run their own plays. Now, what this offense will look like, and if, in fact, Jason Garrett is some master offensive coordinator, will truly be one of the craziest stories we'll see. For a couple of reasons, and I'll just start, maybe even leave you with this. Think about the years wasted. Think about this. If Jason Garrett turns into one of these guys, and, hey, they're not a, even a dime a dozen, they're, what would be that? A quarter a dozen, where you see a head coach just can't do it. Look, I see it here in Philadelphia. Jim Schwartz, and I think he should get back to the head coaching level, but did not succeed anywhere near as far as even a defensive coordinator when he was a head coach, as opposed to when he's just a defensive coordinator. It happens. It's the nature of coaching. You've got guys who just can't be a head coach, but can be a coordinator. If Garrett comes out, imagine this, and we'll hear from a couple of key audio pieces regarding this cheating scandal coming up next. But if Garrett works out, and Garrett looks like a genius with Jones and Barkley and Slayton, and somehow they get some offensive linemen, or at least two offensive linemen, 
Think about the first thing I jump out and say is, wow, all of those years wasted where you could have just moved them to the offensive coordinator position and brought in somebody of value that could have controlled this whole thing. Unbelievable if that happens. Giants might make the playoffs. Probably not. At Shander Show on Twitter, Sesame Nation Radio. Beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. Couple people weighing in, so you can follow along at Shander Show on Twitch, or pardon me, the Twitter channel. Facebook is Aton Shander. My buddy Sean, the Giants fan. At this point, at least, I do agree with... It's not often that we agree when it comes to NFL stuff, but making a pretty good point. I got one rule for Garrett as an offensive coordinator. No bleeping clapping. (laughs) You see, that would be hilarious, is if he started doing all that, can you imagine the first thing you see, Saquon Barkley... Big run off a designed, outside, off-tackle pitch. Next thing you know, Jason Garrett's there on the sideline, clapping it up, clapping it up. Jones comes off the field, nothing. Barkley comes off the field, nothing. Slayton comes off the field, nothing. New lineman that they drafted specifically for Jason Garrett's system comes off the field, nothing. It would be pretty funny to see that. And you talk about the viral video already existing of Garrett shamelessly trying to continue that despite nobody around him and not even having the self-awareness of Tom Brady who walked up and down the sidelines that one time and made fun of himself after it happened. Garrett legit tried it. Now we'll see, of course. The biggest story would be if he turns this thing around. (laughs) All right. I want you to hear a couple of cuts. Let's start with Jessica Mendoza. And here's the thing. I don't nothing about her. I'm not going to react to her. I'm not going to say anything about her, but it's the reaction to these comments that struck me as very odd. Specifically, I even heard it here in Philadelphia and it drove me absolutely nuts. Going public, yeah. I mean, I get it. If you're if you're with the Oakland A's and you're on another team, I mean, heck yeah, you better be telling your teammates, look, hey, heads up, if you hear some noises when you're pitching, like, this is right. what's going right. on for sure. But to go public, yeah, that it didn't sit, sit well with me. And honestly, it made me sad for the sport that that's how this all got found out. I mean, this wasn't something that MLB naturally investigated or that even other teams complained about because they naturally heard about and then investigations happened. But it it came from within. It was a player that was a part of it, that benefited from it during the regular season when he was a part of that team. And, And that, when I first heard about it, it's just, it hits you like any teammate would, right? It's it's something that you don't do. I totally get telling your future teammates, helping them win, letting people know. But to go public with it and call them out and start all of this, it's it's hard to swallow. Yeah, I don't know what naturally means. I, I don't even know, and she was not pressed on that by any means. It, it doesn't make sense how something like this 
could be naturally uncovered and then received in any better light or tone by her or anyone else that had a problem with a whistleblower. And that really opened up this crazy conversation where you actually saw, and I couldn't believe my ears, but there were people here in Philadelphia with radio platforms that I, and I'm not, I want to make sure that I'm not criticizing by any means. I listen to the show because I enjoy it. But a couple former Eagles, for example, that work in Philadelphia, that do radio shows in Philadelphia, whose shows I truly, genuinely enjoy listening to. One I happen to know well, the other I do not know at all. And from what I gathered listening throughout the day today, outside of my own show, in which I was completely on the opposite end of it, it seemed as if there was support for the guy's a rat, therefore this is bad, I agree with her and others mentality. Whistleblower is bad in this situation. And I feel like two things. One, you can't pick and choose when you get a whistleblower. You can't pick and choose when you're pro or anti-whistleblower. It's not something that you can apply. It's something that you're either pro or con. You're either for the idea of getting information and knowledge about something, a company, a habit, a practice, good, bad, horrific, Amazing, whatever it is, usually these things are negative that you get a whistleblower. Nobody usually says, well, you know, here's who anonymously donated that $5 million wing to your library. You usually get it from a negative standpoint. It's not a matter of picking and choosing when you accept this as good. If you're anti-whistleblower, then you're anti-whistleblower across the board. And the first thing I thought of was Eric Mangini outed the New England Patriots for taping a Super Bowl walkthrough of the Philadelphia Eagles. And here in Philadelphia, from player to media to fan, we're still livid about it. Livid about it. And I'm thinking, how in the world can anybody still be upset with the New England Patriots while agreeing with Jessica Mendoza? That is the easiest comparison analogy that I can make. You forfeit your right for being upset with anything regarding Spygate, the New England pay, because Eric Mangini blew the whistle. So you should be upset with Eric Mangini for blowing the whistle on a practice that we know, at least now know, other teams were doing as well. Doesn't absolve the Patriots. They're stinking cheaters. And that Super Bowl should have come out a different way. We know that. Especially because... Rodney Harrison had some sort of buzzer on his shoulder pads in which every time Donovan McNabb dropped back, it was go off. The reality is that Donovan McNabb was just staring him down the whole time. Harrison didn't even need a buzzer. It's crazy, absolutely crazy and hypocritical at the same time to say, I support the, this guy's a rat, vilify him, She's right. It should come out naturally, whatever the hell that even means, and still have a problem with the Patriots, still have a problem with Spygate, still have a problem with the fact that Eric Mangini isn't being vilified. Well, just look at this. The guy was blackballed from the NFL, ousted from the NFL. Patriots didn't give up anybody else. Astros have reportedly already named eight other teams, eight other teams 
They don't give a damn. They're going down with the entire ship. Meanwhile, the Patriots said, all right, we'll keep our mouth shut, our head down, we'll do our time, we'll come out. And they've done that every single time they get nailed. Every single time they get popped for something, even if they don't or are found guilty. We still don't know what's going to happen with the whole videotape thing. Even then, it's just, all right, well, you keep on moving. And you keep going like nothing happened, like nothing's changed. And you know what? After a couple of years, we still talk about it. We still talk about Spygate here in Philly. Like I'm sure you still reference Spygate every time the Patriots cheating comes up on some long list. Some CVS pharmacy receipt long list of things the Patriots have done. But you know what? Here's the bottom line. You don't stop watching. And more importantly, you don't stop betting. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. Highly anticipated AFC Championship game as you've got a team out of nowhere led by a running back of all positions and... Another team with a built-in storyline of Andy Reid. And, of course, we know that story all too well here in Philadelphia. And also a young man in Patrick Mahomes who could throw for 505 TDs in any given game. So we go out to Kansas City, bring in Matt Derrick. At Matt Derrick on Twitter. Covers the Chiefs for ChiefsDigest.com. Sports Radio 810, 580 Sports Talk as well. You could hear him across the board. Matt Aton Shander, SB Nation Radio. First off, appreciate the time tonight. Absolutely. It's great talking to you. Let's start with health. That's always the biggest thing. And if it's offensive linemen or skill position, how healthy right now are the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, at this point, probably the healthiest they have been all season. I mean, this is a team that's dealt with a lot of injuries um in every position group for the most part and offensively they've dealt with a lot this year the only thing that they really have going on is uh travis kelsey's been battling a bruised knee uh tweaked his hamstring a bit last week but that doesn't seem to be too big of a deal um didn't he was limited in practice this week but it looks like he's going to be ready to go um backup quarterback matt moore actually was sick this week uh that might be something just to keep a bit of an eye on they have chad henney on the roster as well so they have options for a backup there. But really the, the concerns on the defensive side with Chris Jones, uh, he injured his calf last week. That kept him out of the divisional round game against Houston. And he's, he's day-to-day at this point. He tried to give it a go out last Sunday, um, couldn't get any push off on that right leg. So they've been uh, working with him this week, trying to ramp him up so that he's ready to go on Sunday. But he'll be, he'll be a game-time decision. Now, as far as the Titans are concerned, is there an area that just via health the Chiefs are able to exploit? Well, you know, you know, it's, it's a good question. I mean, because you know, the, 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 you go back to the November game between these two teams, right? And and, and you know, and, and it was it was an interesting game. I mean, the Chiefs controlled the ball for almost thirty eight minutes in that game. And, you know, offensively, even with Patrick Mahomes, that was his first game back with a right dislocated kneecap. Um, but they they moved the ball. 
Houston. They gave up a few broken plays on special teams that really hurt them. Um, it was a defensive play that led to a score. Looking at the numbers, looking at the statistics, I mean, the Chiefs control that game, and you would have to think that really all that the, the Chiefs would probably be focused on this game is simply cleaning up the mistakes because yep. with Mahomes being healthy again, they should be able – if they're firing all cylinders to be able to move the football against this Titans defense. Matt Derrick joining us at Matt Derrick on Twitter. I'm curious, we've got a couple of more obvious storylines, but I'm just curious as far as how much it's being discussed and maybe even looked at as a true positive or key to why this team is in this position. But I know it hasn't been consistent all year, and as much as Philadelphia and I think everybody has an eye on Andy Reid, we also here in Philly have an eye on Spags and what he's been able to do with that defense. And, again, it's not shutouts and keeping teams under 12, 14 points, but what's the storyline surrounding Steve Spagnuolo this year and that defense? Well, you know, and they brought in Steve Spagnuolo to clean up what was defensively a disaster last year. Um, the team just really bottomed out defensively. Um, they needed to have a turnover in personnel. They did that. They brought in some new faces. Um, and, and Spagnuolo was the key to all of that. They knew that they needed a new scheme. They needed a whole new approach. And, you know, and Spagnuolo, with his comfort level, with Andy Reid, um, it's something that they haven't really had defensively there for a while. And it took some time. I mean, you know, Steve Spagnuolo said during the offseason he thought that, you know, it was going to be a little bit of time, but he thought about four weeks into the season he should know what he had and, and, and felt like the defense would be kicking in. It took longer than they expected um, they really kind of struggled in the first half of the season. Um, didn't really seem to have a good concept about what their best personnel groups were, what their best coverages were, what their best lineup was. And it wasn't really until after that Titans game in Week 10 that they really turned it on. And at that point, they found out that you know what their best lineup was. They've been going with a lot of three safety looks in the second half of the season, uh, a lot more substitution packages. They've been moving some guys around. So, you know, Kendall Fuller, that's typically a cornerback, he's been playing mostly safety of late. Dan Sorensen, who's a safety, has been really almost playing, at a, you know, an in-the-box linebacker of late. And and that's going to be a key to this game, you know, is, is how this, you know, this lineup that's a little bit more predicated on speed and less on power, how it matches up with Derrick Henry. Um, and, and Steve Spagnuolo is the key to all of that. Um, he reached with the defense after that, that – week game in week 10 and this is going to be the time to see if you know if this success that this defense has had in the second half of the season has been really driven by the schedule or if it's a legitimate you know that this defense has bought in and changed itself is there much discussion about him and about what you laid out on the day-to-day radio reaction in your mentions or is it still so much focused on pat mahomes and andy Reid secondary I mean, that, the, clearly the focus is on Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I think that's where um, this team is, is built. This is where the fans are putting their focus. And, you know, and, and with Andy Reid, I mean, you, you kind of alluded to the history that Andy Reid has in the postseason. Um, it's a big deal, you know, for this week. I mean, the, the players and coaches talked about the fact that they want to win for Andy Reid and they want to try and get over the, get over the hump for him. And if they're able to do that, it's going to be because of Patrick Mahomes. That's the one thing that Andy Reid hasn't really had in his entire career is, you know, the MVP Hall of Fame type quarterback. Yep. He's had good quarterbacks, Donovan McNabb, Alex Smith, good quarterbacks. 
they're not Patrick Mahomes. You're right. And he's turned a Detmer or two, Jeff Garcia, when he's over there. What he's been able to do with quarterbacks is Hall of Fame worthy in its own right. And adding a guy in Patrick Mahomes, and it's I smile, but I, I don't know the proper emotion. So maybe the smile, it's a nervous smile as you say this, Matt, because I can't tell you how many times I've heard that in the last, I don't know, three or four years of Andy Reid's tenure here in Philadelphia, where it was just, we get it. The guy's been there, he falls short, we're doing this. We're winning it for Andy. And he has a way, he has a knack of inserting himself in these games, clock management, play calling, something like that, that rears its ugly head. How big of a, despite what everybody's saying, and they're all saying the right stuff, Matt, but how big of a concern truly is it that no matter all these guys wanting to play for him and win for him and on the same goal and finally having a guy like Mahomes, he still could make a key mistake? Yeah, and, and and clearly the legacy of Andy Reid is going to be decided in the next couple of seasons. I mean, if he is able to reach the promised land and win a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, it's going to erase a lot of those concerns in the past. Um, you know, and talking to his coaches, guys who have been with him for a long time, like Dave Tobe that goes back with him, even beyond Philadelphia, good grief, all the way back to the University of Missouri, Texas El Paso back in the 80s. Um, you know, these are all guys who are incredibly loyal to Andy Reid, and they want badly to win for him. But, you know, you, you ask, ask around the Reid, I mean, the league. I mean, I've, I've talked to, you know, Sean Payton, where he has said that, you know, the one game tape that he watches every single week is Andy Reid. Um, I think there's a lot of consensus in the league with the coaches and the players that feel like a lot of what Andy Reid's gotten has been bad luck and just bad matchups that he's a guy who is absolutely a Super Bowl-caliber coach, so maybe he just hasn't gotten the, the breaks that he's needed. And, you know, and part of it is making your own breaks. And right now, I mean, he's got the team probably, and certainly in Kansas City is his best team, I mean, defensively, offensively, special teams all the way around. This is his best squad, and it's the best one. That, this is certainly his best opportunity to finally win one, at least as far as Kansas City is concerned. Matt Derrick joining us at Matt Derrick on Twitter. ChiefsDigest.com is the website. You can hear him, Sports Radio 820, 580 Sports Talk as well. As far as, pardon me, as far as stopping Derrick Henry, how does that happen with a defense that pretty much gives up a generous amount each time? Yeah, I mean, and, and this is a defense that hasn't figured it out how to stop Derrick Henry. Um, he got a 188 on them the last time out. He got 156 on them in the playoffs two years ago. Um, this team hasn't been able to figure out how to stop him. Uh, it does look like they're going to try a different approach this time. You know, they are going to try and go with a little bit more speed. They're going to have to gang tackle. I mean, the, the play, the defense talked all week this week about the fact that you can't tackle Derrick Henry one on one. They're going to have to go after him with multiple guys and go after him low. Um, the Chiefs have not been afraid to, to put some guys in the box, you know, 10, 11 guys on the line of scrimmage to try and crack down on the run. And they've certainly done a better job of that in the second half when they've been putting some safeties on, on the running backs rather than trying to go after them with linebackers. Um, but, you know, whether or not they have Chris Jones and whether or not he's 100%, he's a game wrecker. He's a guy that inside can, can really affect, you know, what's going on. And, and he had a pretty good game against uh, Tennessee the first time around. You know, he had two sacks in that game, you know, eight total tackles. Without Chris Jones, that might make them weak up the middle. And if that's the case, it's going to be even more contingent on that defense, you know, chasing down Derrick Henry, gang tackling him, and 
wrestling him to the ground one, one way or the other because they haven't been able to do it to this point. Seven, seven and a half, I see pretty much across the board point line. Do you like the Chiefs to cover that 10, 14 point victory here? Or you think the Titans keep it close and cover this game, Matt? The way the Chiefs are playing right now, I, I can't bet against them. Um, and the offensive show that they put on last week really, I think, demonstrates that they've got the offensive weaponry that if they need to get into a shootout and they need to, to run somebody out of the building, they can. That's the one thing that they haven't really done a lot this season. They haven't needed to. You know, Last year they got into so many shootouts. This year it's been a little bit more about a ball-control offense. But with those seven touchdown drives in a row they had last week in the comeback against Houston, they've shown that they can come back from almost any situation, and they're incredibly confident right now. And that's spilled over to the defense, too. They're confident on defense. They think that they can stop Hendry. They think that they can keep the play action in check. And I, I think I'm sold. I, th- I think the Chiefs are going to get this done. Uh, I think it'll probably be a double-digit victory. I'm curious, real quick, and you can take some time, but I just want to ask this question real quick, Matt, on your way out, and truly appreciate your time tonight. Assuming that they don't win this, let's just assume for the purposes of this question, they don't win this game, is there a big name or maybe who's the biggest name we should keep an eye on that most likely won't be back with the team? You know, it probably jumps out with Chris Jones being the toughest because right now, you know, he's he's not under contract for next season. He held out this year looking for a new deal. And, you know, an indication is that he wants to be paid the Aaron Donald-type money. And, and it, at the very least, he wants to be paid the equal of Frank Clark signed with the Chiefs' new contract extension when after they, they made the trade with him with Seattle. Um, if they're not able to get a deal, if they don't feel like they can get a deal done with, with Jones, you know, tagging him and trading him is a distinct possibility at this point. Um, outside of that, it doesn't seem like this team's good ready to make too many drastic moves. Um, they got a tough decision with Sammy Watkins to make this offseason with his contract. Um, but other than that, they, they feel like that they've got a good core group that they've invested in that they think has got them in a position to make a run over the next two or three seasons. Awesome stuff, Matt. I truly appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us tonight, man. Absolutely. Great talking to you. You got a Matt Derrick at Matt Derrick on Twitter. We'll wrap the hour next. It's Aton Shander, SB Nation Radio. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. All right, second hour, you're going to hear this Andy Reid cut. And we found the, well, I should say we, Jack found the audio of the Jack Mandel just tearing into Tony LaRusso. I don't know what the hell Tony LaRusso did to Jack McDowell, but McDowell just offered it up. Just said, here, you know what? Tony LaRusso had this whole scheme in which we stole signs. Everybody did it. Any update on Aaron Jones' Twitter account getting hacked? I hope people are buying that explanation. Although, it was pretty funny to see the end around. So, what happens is Twitter won't let you post the same tweet. It'll say, whoops, you already tweeted that to try to uh, prevent you, as I was on a 10 nothing run right now, up 
Whew, this thing is crazy as Iowa continues to push this thing up 80-77 to 77 in the four-minute mark. Michigan doing their best to hang around, don't get me wrong, but 80-77 to 77, Iowa right now in the four-minute mark. Here's the thing. Aaron Jones, whoever hacked that account, got around tweeting the same thing over and over again by adding different periods or amounts of periods at the end of each tweet. Now, you know, this is why I don't watch the Aaron Hernandez crap, is because people will use that as some means out there to get attention. Yeah, you hack this poor guy's account two days before he goes out there and hopefully cashes out with me and a bunch of other people who are playing him on a DFS tournament? You think I want this guy distracted about, you know how much i got a Packers future riding on this game. I've got Aaron Jones himself as a key cog in two DFS tournaments. And I have to worry about this guy now stressed the hell out because somebody hacked his Twitter account and made some bad Bill Cosby, Aaron Hernandez joke. That's how I know it was a hack job. It wasn't even a funny joke. It wasn't even worth cracking a smile over. Now I'm screwed. Packers going to get blown out by 14, 15 points. Seven-point teaser won't even cover this now because somebody got into Aaron Jones' head. This is the next-level cheating. You think people are worried about stealing signs? It's now, how can I hack into a star player's Twitter account 24 to 48 hours before kickoff? That's how you get into somebody's head. Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second-level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. you got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level. On SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. One thing that I refuse to to let happen is this baseball cheating story. I'm not going to call it a saga. I'm not going to call it a scandal. But I refuse to let this take over the weekend for me because I cannot wait. It's just something that is very rare. Think about this. How often do we have only one day of football in a week? How often do we have NFL football and it's only one game or one day's worth of football? How about that? Forget one game, which we know is the Super Bowl. But outside of championship day, and I don't know, Jack, help me out if I'm wrong, but is it not championship weekend and the Super Bowl are the only two days or the only two weeks in which you have NFL football that are only on one day? It's not, there's no Thursday night, there's no Saturday, there's no Monday night, there's nothing. No, you're right. That's this. These two weeks are the only two weeks in which football's only on Sunday. This is a difficult week. We're not used to this. And we know that it comes twice a year, but that doesn't make it any easier. And in fact, the Super Bowl, you're already experiencing the withdrawal that you know you have to go in with an extra week padded in there. And it's, oh, we have to go through one week and then another week. I'm not going to listen to Marshawn Lynch and uh, just get fined for three more days leading up to some kickoff. In this case, it's the only show in town, and we had to wait an entire week. 
an entire week, seven days to watch more NFL football. Unless we count the Pro Bowl. No, we don't. At least not on this show. You're more than welcome to count the Pro Bowl outside of the hours of 10 to 1 a Eastern. But for the purposes of this program, it would just make it a little smoother if we both agreed to act like that thing doesn't exist. I'll say this. As far as Sunday is concerned, nobody, no baseball player, no Jack McDowell, no Tony LaRusa responding to Jack McDowell, no Iowa not covering this damn game is going to spoil it. Beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. All right, well, I want you to hear from Andy Reid and the playoff failures. Let's get that up real quick, if we can, Jack. And I think, Thanks. I think more of the players, and I'm sitting here thinking about myself and all that. I mean, that's not where I go. Um, I, I try to get the guys ready and I try to, you know, make sure I'm ready and then go play. And I don't look at it that way. I look more at the disappointment for the other teams that, that I've been able to coach uh, and how those kids felt because they've worked their tail off for that amount of time and the other coaches. And we roll. So, so I, I just... <laughs> have heard this before so much that I almost feel sorry. Like, I preemptively am feeling sorry for the Kansas City Chiefs fans, our old pal Alex Gold and Matt Derrick and so many others because I can see this. I've, I've watched it happen up close and personal. I've seen the story end no matter how many different turns and twists that I've happened with Andy Reid throughout the season. It's just insane that no matter what goes on and no matter what you see with the Chiefs team or Eagles team before that, from an offense or defensive standpoint, and making it to the playoffs, winning a division, division around, conference championship, that one Super Bowl, whatever it is, where at some point, Andy Reid is going to be way too involved. His hands are going to be way too deep into that game. And there's going to be a problem. There's going to be an issue with time management. There's going to be an issue with the challenge. There's going to be an issue with passing when you should be running. Leaving too much time on the clock and allowing a team to get a touchdown or field goal at the end of a half. These things always seem to happen to the point in which it's like written like a script. And I do feel sorry because I know no matter how many times you hear it from Andy Reid, no matter how many times you hear it from a player on there, there is something that's going to come back to Reid involving himself no matter how or what Spags does on defense. That's the issue that Andy Reid just simply can't get over. And what's beyond just crazy, bizarre, the typical reactionary words that you get, but what truly is, I think, the genesis of all of this is 
we look and rate and regard people as their worth in a sport based on, well, did you win something? And for a coach in the NFL, I get it. You want to see a ring. Andy Reid does not need to win a Super Bowl in order to be a Hall of Fame coach. I hope that there are people out there that understand this, right? That Andy Reid is already in Canton. Andy Reid will already be immortalized as one of the best head coaches in the NFL we've seen, as somebody who has done marvels with the position of quarterback, who has worked miracles at times, who has duct-taped things together with guys he never even heard of and won nine or ten games. That is something beyond impressive. It's Hall of Fame worthy. And what's bizarre, and now I think you can apply this, is there is still a second Andy Reid. Like, think about this. There's the Andy Reid that exists, which is, well, Andy Reid's a Hall of Fame coach, and Andy Reid is going to be in Canton no matter what happens here. He can win. He could lose. But we know Andy Reid's going into the, the Hall of Fame. And then it's, man, Andy Reid needs a Super Bowl more than any coach in the NFL, maybe in in sports. And Andy Reid can't afford to lose a Super Bowl more than any coach in the NFL or maybe in sports. How is that possible? I don't know anybody else who lives that much or that vast of a dichotomy of life in sports, from a player to coach to GM to where you basically have, he's locked into the Hall of Fame. He's locked in there. He's one of the best head coaches we've ever seen. Yet, he doesn't have that true validation. And if you want to apply this to Dan Marino, Charles Barkley, other guys, Carl Malone, guys that may come to mind that have not won a championship, a Super Bowl, Stanley Cup, whatever it is, He is right there at the top of somebody that you're shocked hasn't done it. But again, this is what makes Andy Reid's story much different. Is that he himself involves and injects into the game issues and problems that rear its ugly head year in and year out. He's causing a lot of these problems and he's putting up the same roadblock at times, not all the time, but at times... That's preventing him from winning the damn thing. Yet challenges, clock management, timeouts, those things, not having timeouts to stop the clock or leaving six minutes left on the clock for a team to march down the field and go ahead on you. Things that are just either basic or should not be happening. Iowa wins 90-83. Should not be happening like this. So I'm rooting for the guy. I'm rooting for this dude to win a Super Bowl. I'm rooting for this guy to end this discussion. And I don't mean to shut the haters up. I criticized him as much as a lot of people. Not anybody, but a lot of people when he was here. And it was time when he left. So I can't write and revise anything about he and his time here. But I'm rooting for him. And I think the secondary storyline is when, and maybe even if, he wins a Super Bowl, what happens then? For the people that are still harping on how much he needs to win a Super Bowl. And for the people that are still focusing so much on Andy Reid, legacy can't be validated until Super Bowl victory. Then what? 
What are you truly validating at that point? That, I guess, is my ultimate question. At Shander Shows, how you get me on Twitter. Facebook's up, Aton Shander. The Twitch channel is Maze and Aton. It's SB Nation Radio. SBNationRadio.com. You can listen along online if you're in or out, depending uh, where you are on the planet. What is being validated? That would be my question. What does a Super Bowl win for Andy Reid truly validate? That he's a Hall of Fame coach? He's there. Are you going to find many people that vote in the Hall of Fame? Look, we can pull people here. We can go local. We can pull a Paul Domowich who votes locally. We can pull Jim Trotter, who is as open as anybody is and transparent as anybody is on that voting committee, more so than anybody I've ever talked to on a voting committee, and pull people across the board. Is Andy Reid a Hall of Famer? Is Andy Reid a Hall of Famer? I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who would even hesitate to say no. Forget, give you a negative, just hesitate to do that. So what are we truly talking about here? Like, I get it. The dude needs to win a Super Bowl. I understand that. Andy Reid needs to win a Super Bowl. But what will a Super Bowl victory solidify for you? Will it solidify that he's one of the top three coaches of all time? I mean, take it a step further. If you already know that he's in the Hall of Fame, then think about it. What could it possibly solidify? What final nail in whatever coffin or plaque, whatever it could be, would be solidified in this case, would be cemented? Well, you know, Andy Reid, he's a Hall of Fame coach. He's one of the best head coaches of all time, but if he had just won a Super Bowl, he would be a top three coach of all time. Is anybody really going to argue that? Because I'm not. (laughs) As much as I want to see Andy Reid win a Super Bowl, and I get that the Titans are a cool story, pardon me for wanting to trample all over your Rose Garden, but even I understand, like a lot of Andy people who are supporting him now understand that That's not the case. It's bizarre because two separate personas have been created around the same person. And it's very rare that you get this with player, with coach, with front office personnel, whatever it may be. It is very rare and unique, dare I say, that you get a situation like this where he still needs to prove and still has a lot to lose, yet... He's already accomplished one of the ultimate goals. Didn't keep Dan Marino out of the Hall of Fame. It's not going to keep Andy Reid out of the Hall of Fame. And Dan Marino, if he had won one Super Bowl, could you make the argument that, yeah, he's a top three quarterback of all time? Sure. If you haven't already made that argument, sure. Andy Reid isn't there yet. And I'm not going to go through a list of four or five guys, and that's not the purpose of this. It's that you don't even have a consensus agreement that the guy is a top five head coach of all time right now, sans Super Bowl ring. All right, Jack has found the Jack McDowell audio. I want you to hear that coming up next. But real quick, Jack, if we can, I want to end the segment where we began. Let's listen to Andy Reid one more time because I'm telling you out there, outside of Kansas City, 
outside of Philadelphia. I'm telling you, I've heard this story before, year in and year out. I know how this book ends. I've read it before. I've sat through this two-and-a-half-hour movie. I know how it ends. I've sat through this Netflix series. I know how it ends. And to you out there in Kansas City, let me preemptively say, before you'll hear me and then Andy Reid, let me preemptively say, I'm sorry. I think more of the players, and I'm sitting here thinking about myself and all that. I mean, that's not where I go. Um, I, I try to get the guys ready, and I try to, you know, make sure I'm ready and then go play, and I don't look at it that way. I look more at the disappointment for the other teams that I've been able to coach uh, and how those kids felt because they've worked their tail off for that amount of time and the other coaches, and then we roll, so. Unbelievable. I'm telling you, there are a lot of people that are buying into it. There are a lot of people that believe this is it. This is the year. I can't. I can't consciously make that decision yet. I'm not at that point where I can do it because I know. I've seen it. I felt it. It's not even from afar. This is not from some objective observer here. I've been down there on the field. I've been down there in the stands. I've been down there in South Philadelphia, tire fires, tailgating for my Philadelphia Eagles back when he was here. I've seen it up close and personal. Felt it. What you're about to experience, and it won't be Sunday, and I'll give you that. It won't be on Sunday, but it will be in the Super Bowl. What you will experience is what I experienced in 2004, thinking, oh, my God, this is never going to happen. And, oh, my God, this guy right here is a big part of why. At Shander Show on Twitter, we'll hear from Jack McDowell, who apparently has some axe to grind with Tony LaRussa. Coming up next on SB Nation Radio. Beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. I want to get some inside information here because we knocked down that in-game Iowa. Hopefully you were paying attention. And foolishly, I took Michigan to hedge a little bit on some plus odds. If you're listening on the Twitch stream or on Facebook Live, then you hear the conversations in break. But I was watching the end of the Iowa game just to make sure that there were no issues and nothing that I could slam the table and bitch and complain about if I got hit with a bad beat or just the fact that they would lose. And admittedly not watching much, if at all, of the Blazers-Mavericks game. And we touched on this a little bit at the start of the show about how there was some pretty good value on Portland ahead of time on the money line. So I'm curious now, Jack, as you've been paying way more attention to that game than the other game, rightfully so, as you're a Mavs guy, it's a nine-point game early as the fourth quarter's beginning. 
nine-and-a-half-point in-game line. I'm not worried about the money line right now. I, I don't know. I mean, Portland is plus 8-10 right now on the money line. They're down nine to start the fourth. I don't know if you think it's a feasible victory here for Portland. Where I mean, that's a hell of a lot of value right there. But I don't know if you think that's even worth sniffing. Let's start there. Plus 8-10 on the money line for Portland to come back and win this thing. Down 98-89 in the 12-minute mark of the fourth. No, I, I don't buy that. I They're plus that I... 820 now. So it's going up. No, I, I can't. I can't. I got to roll with the, what I got here. I took the Mavs and straight over. And no, I, I can't bet against them right now. They're playing too well. Okay, so this is the second part of this. Because if there's no value in the Portland Trailblazers right now making a run and taking advantage of anybody in foul trouble. Is there anybody for the Mavericks right now that we should be concerned about in foul trouble in the final quarter? Like Luka or anybody else? Start with Luka. Not to my knowledge. Okay. I think he only has three fouls as of right now. That's fine. That's definitely not foul trouble by any means, at least in a quarter. So, with that said, they're up nine. I need Dallas to slam the door right here. Because the Blazers keeping this thing under 10 points, and that's really all I need Portland to do, is keep this thing under 10 in a 12-minute span. That doesn't seem... Now, again, I haven't been watching this basketball game, but the fact that Portland hasn't been blown out, and has McCollum returned, or is he still out? McCollum has not returned. He's only played 12 minutes, so he left in the second quarter and has not returned. That's something in its own right that Dallas has yet to close the door here, right? What the hell's taking them so long? It's a 10-point game. No, 98-89, pardon me. They were down early. They were I mean, they start the Portland started the game on a 7-0 run and the Mavericks didn't steadily climb back up until almost the end of the first quarter when they were up uh 27-24. And since then they've just been playing a lot of back and forth basketball. And well, third quarter, nobody got away. No, and I think this is the fourth quarter. This is where the Mavericks are going to come in and just, okay, seal the deal. We've been playing inconsistently without Christoph Porzingis, and now this is where Luka comes in, does his Luka magic, and the Mavericks will win more than 10 for me and for you. McCollum will not return. Sprained ankle. Ooh, that's not good. Mm-mm. And you mentioned without Kristaps, the team trying to figure that thing out. I don't know. They've been okay without him. But they're definitely missing that extra shooter because right now they've been using a combination of Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell, and they're not nearly as good of the shooter as Kristaps is. They're good interior presence, although Maxi had a game against the Warriors in which he scored five three-pointers, which is more of an anomaly than... Sure, something you can count on, exactly. I'm just looking at Portland right now, and even a night where Melo gets you 20, defensively he's hurting you. There really isn't anybody, including Lillard, who's able to balance this thing. And yet, as we speak, it's now a seven-point game. So the nine-and-a-half points might have been too little too late. It's it's down to six-and-a-half in-game right now. We just lost three points talking about this. You're talking about the Warriors and a guy dropping five threes, and we just lost three points. 
Oh, no way. No, I'm just, it, it fluctuates so much. It's back to nine and a half right now. I, I knew it that, would go back That's a really up. quick jump that goes down it, three points and up three points again. Live in-game betting in the NBA, hockey, the things that move fast like this, it's amazing where you kind of get in. And then what you do is, it, at least in my personal opinion, I'm not touting or selling anything. It's just through conversation. But what you try and do is look at how much it fluctuates. So if you see one, wait for the second. You know for the second time it's going to fluctuate. So it went from a nine-point game to a seven-point game, and we saw the line go from nine to six and a half. And then it went back to a nine-point game, and the line went back to nine and a half, meaning you know the flow of basketball, where even if Portland cuts this thing to four, the Mavericks are going to be able to extend that again, and at the very least, you're going to get back to seven, eight points. So unless Dallas gives up this lead all in one run, you're going to see that value return. Where, again, Mavs right now on the free throw line extending this thing 99-91, and it's back up to eight and a half. So it flies. It flies like the clock flies. It, it just constantly changes based off basket or free throw. So the value is to kind of swing in there and say, all right, now I see the range. I mean, it's at 10.5 right now. So if I jump in right now and all I need is mellow bucket, Lillard bucket, all of a sudden this thing cuts it down to four points, then all of a sudden I've created this middle ground where maybe that run or two only separates the teams from four to six to maybe eight points, and I'm still covered with that 10.5. A 10.5 is a lot. A lot to give up. At Shander Shows, how you get me on Twitter. Coming up, we'll go down to Nashville. You heard the storyline in Kansas City and Andy Reid being a huge part of it. But there's also Mike Vrabel, Derek Henry, Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown. Ton, tons of things happening. You think that the Chiefs are trying to ride positive momentum behind Andy Reid, and winning one for the Gipper, if you will. Wait until you hear as we go down to Nashville, and we'll chat with Sportsline's Alan Bell, at Alan Bell 247 on Twitter, and get some insight into just how crazy it is down there. And this insane storyline that's been driving the Titans to victory, especially how good they've been on the road. Derrick Henry, I would think that if you take Lamar Jackson out of the league this year, Derrick Henry has as much claim to the MVP as anybody else. Oh, we'll also get some odds on who the next Red Sox and Mets manager will be from Allen coming up on SB Nation Radio. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. You hear me a lot talk about the places that I've been able to live and work in. Knowing, of course, here in home Philadelphia is where I do the show from, but... Beyond my current fandom and place of residence in Philadelphia being a dominant part of the conversation, especially if we're bringing up things that are either centered here or 
involve Philadelphia. I feel like not even number two, but the 1A is Nashville. Anytime that I get a chance to cheat and talk about my two and a half years down there and getting a chance to cover a great football team and some drama, of course, with Vince Young and Kerry Collins, but meeting some great people and covering some great talents and Keith Bullock, Cortland Finnegan, and others. I'll say this. Nothing really is better than watching that city celebrate something from a sports standpoint. And as we bring in, not just to talk about from a local perspective, also from a national perspective, Alan Bell, at Alan Bell 247 of course, on Twitter. I, I can only say so much. You know, I was there back in 08 when there were those rallies on Broadway, standing next to George Plaster and others, begging people to keep the Predators. And I saw what it meant to so many sports fans to keep a hockey team that they wouldn't know half the people if they fell on them. Now, on the verge of a Super Bowl with a history so rich of the Titans from Steve McNair. Alan, can you at least help paint a picture about what it is right now to be in Nashville on the verge of this game Sunday? Yeah, it's phenomenal. Now, first off, I appreciate you having me back on, and we miss you down here, buddy. We got to get you back. I'll uh, never, I'll, I'll never come this. back. If I go, I, I, it's the biggest reason, Alan, why I've never gone back down there because I know I will never leave. It's paradise. Well, well you know what? I, I'll tell you. If you come back, I, you got a spot right over here, man, right for you. Uh, yeah. This, Hold uh, on, I'm already you know booking it. a flight. <laughs> you know it, man. Nashville is. Uh, they're they're fired up, man. Titans fans are definitely fired up. You know, and it's interesting what you brought up, you know, the names that you were saying, Cortland Finnegan and, you know, Vince Young those years and, and all those guys, right? Like, it's just been such a run, um, you know, really ever since they came to Nashville and, and what you said about the Predators and, and Nashville's ready for a championship and they're ready to take that next step as a city. We got close, you know, the Nashville Predators a couple of years ago in the final and uh, it didn't work out. Uh, but I'll tell you, man, just the residents of this city, they're, they're excited to see it. Uh, but this is a big one. I mean, they're going to Kansas City against a team who's arguably uh, the best in the NFL. But the way Nashville, the way the Tennessee Titans have been playing, uh, running the ball and playing defense travels, man. We'll see. I can't wait for Sunday. What's been the conversation about Mike Vrabel? Because we'll get to the players and the individuals, Derek Henry, but just the job that Mike Vrabel's been doing, the carryover that has been so difficult from Belichick, New England, anywhere else, it looks like, at the very least, Rabel has figured something out, but to be fair, this didn't start from the beginning of the season, right? No, it didn't, no. And I'll say this, you know, it's been an interesting ride because, remember, Mike Rabel took over for a coach who was let go after winning a playoff game in Kansas City two years ago in Mike Malarkey, right? So he came in with a team, uh, you know, that had just won a playoff game. There were expectations there. Um, and, and he's really lived up to it. You know, him and the general manager, John Robinson, have really put in a lot of work. And you can see this team, they have the same attitude that Mike Vrabel does. They, they play like he played, right? Like they, they feed off of, of what he's doing, and those guys have run through a brick wall for him. So especially, you know, when you think about everything that kind of he went through this year in terms of the Marcus Mariota situation, turning to Ryan Tannehill, uh, Derrick Henry becoming – you know, and, and this is you know this isn't like Derrick Henry's first good year, right? Like we saw right. him at the end of last year, but you know just just what they've accomplished as a team, uh, it's just been incredible. 
What happens now? You go up against a team in Kansas City who is as deadly as anybody throwing the football, and we talked about this in the first hour, Alan, just about how susceptible Kansas City's run defense is. Do you just anticipate Vrabel and this offense pounding Derrick Henry until the Chiefs stop him? Well, I, I think you're going to get some of that. Um, you know, I think weather is definitely going to play into it. It's not going to be too rainy, you know, by any means, but it's going to be about 20 degrees. Uh, so it might affect, you know, the passing for, for both teams. But really, I'll say this, really where uh, they're not getting the credit that they, that they deserve is the Titans' defense. You've seen what they've done when they go to New England uh, then the next week in Baltimore. You go through Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson, they've only given up two touchdowns total. Neither team scored 14 points. And that's really been how they've been going about it, is play defense, run the ball. So, you know, look for what that defense can do against the Chiefs. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, long story short, you know, you've got a quarterback in Tannehill. He's, he hasn't even thrown for 100 yards in a game yet. It's been the Derrick Henry show, and there's no reason to change it now. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the big key is, is don't fall behind, you know, because that kind of messes up the flow, really, of what this team can do. So look for them to, to, to be aggressive uh, in the first and second quarter, try to get as many points as they can, and especially – you know, with them being, you know, in the red zone. They've got 12 straight trips to the red zone with a touchdown. The last time they did oh. score a touchdown, the red zone was week 15. It's incredible. That's insane. And I saw another yep. stat that the road team has covered in each of the last seven games involving the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, it, 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 it's incredible, man. Like what they're doing, like I was saying, it travels, man. They play defense and run the ball. And think about this. They've gone through. Uh, the Patriots and Ravens on the road in the playoffs, they haven't even kicked a field goal, man, or thrown for 100 yards. Like, how is that possible? Dominant. I know. I've never seen it before. I mean, it, it, it's incredible. And if you think about this, if they beat the Chiefs, they will have gone through in four weeks at Houston, at New England, at Baltimore, at Kansas City. That's all four division winners, and they're going to do it on the road if they win that game. It's just incredible what they've been doing. Alan Bell joining us, CBS Sports Line, at Alan Bell 247 is how you can follow him on Twitter, Aton Shander, SB Nation Radio, SBNationRadio.com. How much of coach versus coach is being discussed, even if it's locally in Nashville or just as far as across the board with Sports Line and, and what you guys are doing nationally, when it comes to Andy Reid and the history he's had of finding ways to insert himself in games that he eventually loses? Yeah, it's definitely something, right? Like, you look at Andy Reid, he's 1-5 in five in conference championship games. He has one more loss as the most in NFL history. Uh, and he's 1-8 career against the Tennessee Titans. So, you know, not necessarily that, that it means something, you know, to start this game. But everything that we're looking at is if this game is tight in the third quarter and then it's tight in the fourth quarter, all that pressure is going to be on Kansas City. Tennessee's playing with house money at this point, right? So I think that's really the way to look at it is if this game comes down to three, six, seven points, you know, towards the end of the game, uh, look out because Tennessee is playing fearless right now. What's more likely to happen? Titans win, just win. It could be by a point, a field goal, just win. Or the Chiefs win by more than nine points. Chiefs win by more than nine points. And I'll say it, you know, everything that I've just praised. After everything right there, I I was expecting you to come out with some sort of emphatic, (laughs) this is it, an outright upset. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, man, uh, anybody that's betting, that's been betting Tennessee money line to play, they made a lot of money. Uh, But no, man, I mean, Kansas City, like everything that I just praised, 
Tennessee with, rightfully so. <laughs> but Kansas City's incredible, man. Like what we saw, you know, against Houston last week. And think about this. Take this stat in. In the last five years, there's only been two instances of a quarterback throwing for four touchdowns in a quarter. Both of them are Patrick Mahomes in week two this season and last week. Like that's, that's how incredible this guy is. Yeah, and you look at his numbers, you look what the Chiefs have done. They're even more uh, dangerous when they're behind. Like uh, this team is just incredible. They've got skilled position players everywhere. So if I had to make a, a bet on those two options, I would take Chiefs. Uh, you know, with the emblem. All right, let's look at the NFC game, and a lot of people, even from a betting standpoint, on the Niners, despite, of course, the Packers number where they've covered three times, being a dog of seven-plus points, I love Green Bay to not only win this thing, but I still think that they can win the whole thing. Do you think Green Bay covers, and if not, or if so, do you think they have a shot of outright winning this thing? I definitely have Green Bay covering. I already placed that bet earlier in the week, got it seven and a half, obviously. Yep. Uh, I love what Green Bay is doing. And, again, you know, they're another team that, you know, they, they run the ball, play defense. And I know that, you know, we'll look back at the Packers 49er games earlier this season. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going one of 15 on third down right now. San Francisco is phenomenal. Do not get me wrong. But I think this game's going to be tight. Definitely like Green Bay with the points. And for sure, like, I, they could certainly win. I think once you get – you know, to the divisional round, much less the conference championship round. Uh, you're dealing with, you know, four of the teams that are playing the best football uh, in the NFL. So, yeah, Green Bay can definitely do it. I'll, I'll ride with Aaron Rodgers all day. Are you surprised? I see 55% of the bets on the Niners. So it does leave a good chunk of money and bets, at least, on the Packers. Are you surprised that this thing – I mean, it was only open at 7, I think, for like a blink of the eye, right? This has pretty much been 7.5 consistently all week, right? Yeah, it has. I'm really surprised on both sides. You know, there, there really hasn't been much movement. And I think, you know, we'll definitely see uh, – we'll see some. Maybe it's spread. Maybe it's total uh, tomorrow. Uh, and certainly, you know, Sunday morning because you're just going to get a lot more people, you know, getting in on it as it gets closer. But, yeah, I'm just really surprised that we just really haven't seen – much moving at all on either games, you know, with, with so much on the line and, you know, teams that have such a high ceiling like Kansas City, like San Francisco, who can blow teams out theoretically whenever they want, right? Like, just really surprised that we haven't seen just any movement at all. All right, I have a hypothetical for you. Which matchup, if you look at the potential Super Bowl matchup, San Fran KC, Green Bay KC, San Fran Tennessee, Green Bay Tennessee, which of those four will be the most heavily bet Super Bowl? Not entertaining, not watched, but heavily bet Super Bowl. Uh, most heavily bet would be 49ers Chiefs for sure. Now, Green Bay would certainly be up there. I mean, they've got numbers. They're possibly- yeah, I'm surprised you, you didn't go there as number one. I know, yeah. I, you didn't I even 49ers- hesitate, Alan. <laughs> I think 49ers Chiefs is just going to get everybody's attention just because of how good these two teams have been. And you've got two teams that, like, you know, we just talked about who, you know, not only can play defense, but they're just so explosive offensively. Uh, you've got two marketable quarterbacks. You've got two young, marketable head coaches who have worked together seemingly their entire career. And you're going to have guys that are going to be out in the media uh, speaking, you know, and not, you know, don't mean that negatively by any means, but you're going to have a Travis Kelsey, a Tyreek Hill, plus a Richard Sherman, right? Like, you're going to have these guys out there. Uh, so I think the 49ers Chiefs would definitely bring in the most money. But, again, you're right. I mean, Green Bay, like, they're a global brand. I mean, everybody knows they are. Thoughts on your way out, my friend. Thoughts on the Jason Garrett 
new Giants offensive coordinator position? You know, I think it's interesting for sure. Um, I mean, the guy's been around the NFL for a long time. He certainly knows offense. Uh, I look at it as I kind of – I kind of wish he would take a year, you know, and just kind of mm. gather yourself. He just went through a lot. That's a That's big a divorce, right? You need, yeah, you need some time to just kind of let it suppress. If I were the Giants and I'm hiring him this quick, I'd have probably hired him at a quarterback coach instead of offensive coordinator. Just kind of let him get, you know, acclimated to something different because it's going to be a strange, strange season for him over there. Appreciate you, brother, as always. Thank you, Alan. Man, appreciate you, buddy. Thanks so much for having me. You got it. Alan Bell, 247. On Twitter, CBS Sports Line will wrap the hour next on SB Nation Radio. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. Two things. One, and we didn't really hit... This hard enough following Matt Derrick in hour one. Chiefs could be without Chris Jones again on Sunday, which makes what Alan Bell just said even more of a glaring issue for Kansas City, and that's the Titans aren't doing this with smoke and mirrors. The Titans aren't fooling you and then pulling the curtain out. The Titans are telling you exactly what's happening. They are telegraphing plays. Hey, we're going to run this guy, Derrick Henry, right down your throat. And then they do that. They run this guy right down your throat. And if you don't have anybody who can help pressure the quarterback when you actually do ask Ryan Tannehill to throw the football one to eight times a game, it makes it that much more difficult. Third and eight, you should be able to convert that on defense. You should be able to force a stop if they're not running Derrick Henry. And look, there are times in which they will run Derrick Henry for 9, 10, 20 yards on that play. And it doesn't mean that you stop. It just means that it's something where if you don't have a key pass rusher, he's their sack leader. Uh, Coming up in the third hour, because we got caught up in the in-game action with Dallas and Portland. And right now it is winding down. You're in the two-minute mark in the fourth quarter. And this thing is beginning to be out of reach, where Dallas is up 115 to 109. However... And Portland is plus 800. So any hopes of that plus 360 in-game money line play is out the window. Whether or not you took Dallas down to six and a half in-game, that would be something to look at. With this score right now, we saw, remember, we saw that thing fluctuate from nine and a half down to six and a half at one point ten and a half. So the Blazers at ten and a half right now are looking pretty damn good. We're going to hear Jack McDowell's audio coming up. There's something about the NFC game we haven't even touched on as well. We're going to return fake news. Jack's going to take over the helm in the third hour as well. So it's jammed, absolutely jammed. And I'll say this as far as anything regarding the scandal, because we still have to touch on that beyond Jack McDowell's comments. But anything regarding the scandal and tying it into Pete Rose, that's an immediate way to get me to check out. If you're here, or if Pete Rose, whatever, and the message is, well, what Pete Rose did wasn't even as bad, or this is worse than what Pete Rose did, I'm immediately out of the conversation. That's an easy way to get me to check out. You have it. Test me nation right now. 
Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. Uh, Jack McDowell went off and just dragged everybody around him down. It was rather fascinating to listen to, by all means. It's something that I want you to hear as well. The big story is Jason Garrett named Giants offensive coordinator. And not even part, but a lot of me is thrilled that this news comes down right as we began the show two hours ago because it derailed, thank God, all of the conversation and the fake outrage and the echo chamber tweets meant for people that think just like you to retweet and respond. Yes. Such an innovative thought. Yes. All of that. We could move on. Now, I don't know what you want, what more you want, how much more blood you want. How much more blood you're going to try to squeeze out of this stone of the cheating scandal. But the one thing that is absolutely hilarious with all of this is what you're going to hear in the segment coming up where a guy in Jack McDowell played a long time ago. It seems like at least right now where we are. Just lays it all out there, which again The bigger picture in this, forget baseball, forget cheating in baseball. The bigger picture in all of this is we don't care. You don't care if you truly cared. And look, I'm not challenging you. This isn't like something where on Twitter you see it, right? You used to see it at the dinner table. Now, we shouldn't be doing this. Oh, well, then you go enlist. You go and join up. I'm not saying that in this case. This is not a matter of that. It's way more a situation of you have the opportunity to not watch, to not bet. The fact that the Super Bowl is still one of the most heavily bet on, the NFL is one of the most heavily bet on, most heavily watched, despite having its most successful team, an outright cheater, tells me everything I need to know. Everything I need to know. You just don't give a crap. Why should I? Why should I be outraged if I know you truly aren't? Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So I do want you to hear this from Jack McDowell, who was on with WFNZ and just decided to share his thoughts on everything that's happened from the Houston Astros and the fallout with the Red Sox and Mets looking for new managers. This is Jack McDowell, who apparently wanted to offer up a lot more as well. We had a system in Old Comiskey Park in the late 80s. 
Gatorade sign out in right center had a light. There was a toggle switch in the manager's office and a, and a, a, a camera zoomed in on the catcher. Mm. Okay? I'm going to whistle blow this now because I'm getting tired of this crap. There's that. There was that. Tony Arus is the one who put it in. He was also the head, the first team of all the people doing steroids. Yet he's still in the game making half a million. You know? Mm. No, one, no one's going to go after that. It's just it's the stuff's getting old where they target certain guys and let other people off the hook and you know like the media doesn't know that this all happened was going on everybody knows everybody who's been around the game knows all this stuff why all of a sudden it became a big thing I have no idea <laughs> It's amazing to really hear the depths in which somebody is so calm and open and nonchalant in explaining that there really shouldn't be a conversation about this, there really shouldn't be a story about this. I mean, the fact, and maybe that's what is so crazy to me and what should jump out more so than anything else to me is that, well, I sit here and say, wow, McDowell just completely dropped a heavyweight dime on Tony LaRussa for stealing signs and opening up a can of worms that Larusa, I'm sure, wasn't prepared to defend on Saturday and Sunday. But man, you talk about that anvil that's just been dropped on Larusa's head, and maybe in reality, McDowell doesn't see it that way. Maybe McDowell thinks of it more so as well. It's so prevalent. It was so prevalent, continues to be, that this isn't a story. And all I'm doing is telling you one incident in which one guy was doing something that everybody was doing. Would it really be some major story if I outed someone? On, man, you know what Jake Asman does? I, I look, I shouldn't be telling you guys this, honestly, because I don't know if you would really look at him in the same light. This might knock Jake Asman down a couple of pegs as far as your respect for him as a sports talk host. Do you know what he does during his show? It's amazing that you haven't even heard this before. He breathes. He actually breathes during his show. He takes breaths. In some cases during a break, he'll take multiple breaths. Everybody does that. If it's something that everybody does, if it's something that is just so natural and normal, that's what he's thinking in his brain. Jack, let me get that one more time, please. Mr. McDowell on, I want to make sure that I get it correctly, of course. But let me get McDowell one more time on WFNZ. We had a system in Old Comiskey Park in the late 80s. Gatorade sign out in right center had a light. There was a toggle switch in the manager's office and a, and a, a, a camera zoomed in on the catcher. Mm. Okay? I'm going to whistle blow this now because I'm getting tired of this crap. There's that. There was that. Tony Arus is the one who put it in. He was also the head, the first team of all the people doing steroids. Yet he's still in the game making half a million. You know? Mm. No, one, no one's going to go after that. It's just it's, the stuff's getting old where they target certain guys and let other people off the hook. And, you know, like the media doesn't know that this all happened, was going on. Everybody knows. Everybody who's been around the game knows all this stuff. Why all of a sudden it became a big thing, I have no idea. You know, I, I have to say that's not a man who casually offered up 
Tony La Russa and everything else like it was going on and my analogy of Asman. That's a guy who offered that up and then had the charge behind his statements of certain people select viewing, select outrage. He's saying this is not a big deal and then offering up a couple of different examples, including, of course, Tony LaRusso also stealing signs. But he mentioned steroids. So this is not a case by any means of I think it's not even so much misreading it as it's a matter of narrowing it down. It's not so much Jack McDowell is trying to smooth this thing over, saying, look, everybody did it. It's really no big deal. Honestly, guys, it's no big deal. What he's saying is it's no big deal angrily presenting that, angrily coming across with that point of view, frustrated. The fact that we're talking about this, the fact that somebody has the audacity to bring something like this up. Are you kidding me? They're stealing signs via the technology that they had. Do you know what Tony LaRusso was doing? He has steroids, guys. He sounds like somebody who's fed up in general. He sounds like somebody who would rather not focus on any of this. And what happens with baseball moving forward? You cannot compare this to the NFL. Nobody has the infrastructure built in like the National Football League. Look, the NBA, we talked about this. The NBA got a nice, healthy dose of what the NFL goes through on a weekly basis. An international scandal with China. And that rocked the NBA. Adam Silver, LeBron James, media members, first take, everything. Rocked the NBA. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Money, they were talking about all the money that was lost. You've got owners, Jim Ursay, getting pulled over with pain pills. And that's not even nearly that worst of what you can point to from ownership down to player. And still, it doesn't matter. It never matters if you have popularity. It's the biggest macro example you can have of when an athlete who has talent and promise gets in trouble, and it doesn't matter. And, yeah, it can be a football, baseball, hockey, whatever player, whatever athlete. If they have the talent, if they have the promise, but mainly the talent combined with that, then you're going to see that athlete, you're going to see that person get away with a lot more than the average person who just doesn't have that. And that biggest macro example you could find would be the NFL. It doesn't matter. Now, the difference is you have to earn that. And I hate to use that term because it usually connotes something positive, but in this case, it's The NFL has gone through so much controversy. The NFL has gone through so much negative PR. Combining, of course, their immense amount of popularity, the ratings, the TV deals, the money, everything the owners bring in. All of that, you have to combine the two, right? So baseball can't survive it the same way the NFL can. The NBA couldn't survive China the way the NFL could. If that were the case, and London or Mexico or some country that the NFL was working with came in and started making these demands, whoever it was, 
it would be worse than us sending over troops and invading a country. The NFL would turn around and try to find some way to squeeze them economically. It actually would turn into an incident, unlike what happened in the NBA, which is people bow down. And you know what? MLB is doing the same thing. And look, I can't sit here as I just laid that out. That's the reason why I can't sit here and say, well, they should just ignore it and go back to business. They can't. They can't afford to. They don't have the clout. They don't have the Internet nor street clout to survive something the way in which the NFL could just brush it off and say, look, as soon as we go back to opening week, as soon as we schedule the Chiefs against the Packers to open up the season, it's all back to watching Mark McGuire hit home runs in that Simpsons episode. It's it. Oh, wow. Football's back. I can bet. I can play fantasy. No sport controls the landscape in multiple ways like the NFL. How's MLB getting out of this? How is MLB preventing this from being a conversation routinely? Because, you know, it's not just going to be now on Houston, and rightfully so. Look, if I'm Houston and somebody drops the dime on me and I'm not going back to revisit the nonsense that Mendoza tried to spew out, what I'm saying more so is if I fall victim of being outed, ratted on, whatever term you want to use, and I know and I have information that at least eight other teams in baseball are doing it, then I'm thinking long and hard about that and saying, yeah, okay, it does make sense to pass this thing on. Because at the very least, you're now continuing this conversation. And that's the only hope that the Houston Astros organization has at not being vindicated, but being kind of merged or mixed like ingredients, folded, if you will, into the conversation of, wow, baseball had an epidemic of cheating like this. Not the Houston Astros and a couple of guys from the Houston Astros who went on to do bigger and better things or other things, to be fair. Those people were involved in it. The Astros' goal, at least from the outside, would be, all right, you implement other people so that now the conversation can get to 9, 10, 14, or hopefully the average fan saying, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. And you know what? The average fan, I imagine, won't stop watching. And I imagine the average fan, maybe more importantly, won't stop betting. But MLB as a whole, just like the NBA, just like hockey, just like any sport that's not the National Football League or maybe even college football, but that's completely different. That's one governing body in a ton of city-states. But I don't know if MLB has the stomach to sit through this. I don't. I think that's why you saw teams get ahead of it. I think that's why Cora was out. I think that's why Beltron steps down. Teams, as ironic as it is that Fred Wilpon was pushing anything of integrity, you still had teams get ahead of this, either firing or convincing somebody to step down. You had teams get ahead of this and not trying to sit through this. Was Bill Belichick preemptively fired? Was Tom Brady preemptively suspended? You know, the NFL's coming in. They say you're deflating these footballs. We don't know what the hell's happening. You're sitting out for the next four weeks. Until we get a straight answer from you, until we can see your phone. Forget the NFL for a second. Until we get to see your phone, 
there's no reason whatsoever for you to be out there on the field. Do you know how ridiculous that would be? And really, to be fair, if any NFL team was faced, if Kyler Murray was going through deflate gate, and you had his coach step up and say, you know, I don't know what the hell's going on, but they're saying that you're deflating footballs. We see you running around a lot. You've got a good grip on the ball, no fumbles. We don't know what's going on. There's an investigation. You're on ice. Backup quarterback in, star quarterback we draft, you're on ice without any evidence that we have. No, it's the complete opposite. Baseball did what every other sport outside of the NFL does, and that's preempt for the most part. Now, you can make the argument that they move faster than the sexual harassment and the other charges that came based off of a very late provoking. But at the very least, action was had. Action was made. At Shander Shows, hey, get me on Twitter. Twitch channel's up. Facebook's up as well. Story as far as the NFC that we did not touch on coming up next on SB Nation Radio. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. There has to be the motivation, at least with the NFL, what they're celebrating and seeing the Packers advance to the culmination of that into the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers, 10 years ago from a personal standpoint, the league itself, centennial year. There's a lot, I think, that would connect the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. And outside of Andy Reid, and we'll spare Andy Reid here for at least five or six minutes, he has taken on the brunt of the frustration or at least the reasons why the Chiefs wouldn't find their way victorious and into the Super Bowl. Or I should say, not for me personally as far as into the Super Bowl, but winning the Super Bowl. I do think despite them not covering a a 7.5-point line, and the hook is the only difference, I do think that they win this game, but they lose in the Super Bowl. And it would be Green Bay. And it would be Green Bay because at some point, We see this all the time, and it doesn't matter. Look, one thing that can pain me as much as possible as an Eagles fan, but as a football fan, I respect the hell out of it. But the New York Giants, not once but twice, made things incredibly difficult for Tom Brady up the middle and forced him and put him, and that's key. It's not just, oh, well, you know, the pass rush and they made it impossible. They put Brady. They cornered him in situations where he had to make throws based off of looking down the middle of the field, taking things out on the outside and forcing his eyes, almost like blinders, to look in an area where the blitz was coming. And it's difficult because it's not a bunch of guys who are half his size. He can just sit there and dink and dunk over. It disrupted them to the point in which it was the underlying reason why they win two Super Bowls. Here, you're going to see at some point, and this is where it's not even as simple as what we saw last week where 
the Ravens were nullified. I mean, the Ravens were doing something all year, short yardage. And wouldn't it make sense? You've got Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson. You should be able to get one or two yards at will. Yet Mike Vrabel made sure, absolutely positively sure, that wasn't going to happen. And it disrupted a team that had a complete game plan of success all year. You want another example? Peyton Manning. How many times do you need to talk or hear from people who played in New England, who played in Pittsburgh, played on teams that were successful against Peyton Manning in the playoffs, especially in Indianapolis when all of that expectation was heaped upon his shoulders and he still found a way with the defense special teams, whatever was going on around him. They didn't win the Super Bowl. They lose, bow out in the playoffs, another exit. But you saw disruption was the key. Forcing a guy to do something complete, taking something consistent out and forcing them to do a completely different thing in order to get to the end. Now, to be fair to Kyle Shanahan and the Niners, they're about as prepared and complex at the same time with their offensive schemes as anybody in the NFL. It's insane to see how deep they are. It's boggling of the mind, right? When you sit there and think, they can line up in the same set and run five or six different plays. How is that possible? How are they able to be so disciplined and create the same opportunity yet do it off of six or seven different looks? But the whole point of this is Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to make a throw. That's it. Jimmy Garoppolo, we already know Aaron Rodgers is going to make a throw. We already know that. And he hasn't had to lead the charge here. He's got Devontae Adams, two running backs he can throw to. All right, San Francisco puts Richard Sherman and maybe somebody else even over or under on Devontae Adams, and they take Devontae Adams out of this football game. You still have a guy who can throw anybody open. That's Aaron Rodgers right now. Post-collarbone injury aside, he still has that ability. I don't care if it's... Commandant Lassard, what, Eric Lassard? Or if it's anybody else on that team, he has the ability to throw these guys open. So that's going to be a key difference if, in fact, if it's Samuel, if it's Sanders, somebody, or Kittle even, is taken out of this football game, even for a play, a series, a quarter, and that run game all of a sudden is not enough. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to make a throw. He is. And he's going to have to make a throw under duress. It's going to be uncomfortable. And it's going to be somebody he doesn't normally throw to. That's where I think I can trust the Green Bay Packers in a tight situation. I already think that they're going to cover this football game. You'll believe, right, that they're going to cover this football game. So how much of it truly is, honestly, how much of it truly is that it's not about covering, it's about Whatever you see, whatever you can grab them on the money line, whatever you can look at even as a futures right now for the Packers, solidifying that and saying it's just not a cover scenario here. This is an outright victory for the Packers, and then you're opened up to either the Titans, who they match up well with, or the Chiefs, who, again, you are not in the clear, despite having Patrick Mahomes, despite Spag's defense looking good, despite having weapons now healthy around Mahomes, whatever it is, you still have Andy Reid. 
you still have the ability to just blow it and toss it all away and have it crumble in your hands. We had it. Super Bowl. I don't know what that is in the Reed household. I would not want to wish that upon anybody. Losing the Super Bowl with two different teams, especially this one coming at the end of his career, we would believe. I don't know how many more years he has. He's not going to retire this year, but, man, that has to take a toll on you. And I'm not surprised to see Mike Hernandez weighing in on the Twitch channel. Yes, our own SB Nation's Mike Hernandez. Don't care. World Series champs. There you go. I told you, nobody cares about cheating, especially in baseball. Maybe more so in football. No, yeah, probably not. the surface it's the second level on sb nation radio and on sbnationradio.com presented by rocket mortgage by quicken loans from the o'reilly auto parts studios here's aton shander i do have to give credit to mike savage at mike savage 610 who is a tweeter and twitcher if you will i don't know what the hell the common term is for that but somebody who was following along and interacting a lot on the twitch channel as well i put a tweet out earlier two days ago difficult for me to believe only championship winning teams are cheating in any sport it speaks volumes about a team cheating and still finishing at the bottom of the league imagine if the orioles actually were cheating and then mike responds and this is hilarious because i'm thinking about this out loud right He says, I feel like Gabe was so ass-backward, he was controlling opponents' buzzers by accident. Now, think about this. Gabe Kapler was here, and at some point, really down the stretch, it was an unmitigated disaster. And it wasn't all on him by any means. It was not Gabe Kapler's fault that the Philadelphia Phillies missed the playoffs and didn't have enough talent and still need pitching and just go down the list of any major problem or 10 a team would have not making the postseason. But he was so quirky. He was a weird dude. This story has come out about how he's peeled these McNuggets. He ate like 60 McNuggets, and he peeled the whole thing off, the batter off the chicken McNuggets. He already has come out. Somebody said initially he confirmed it that back in some minor league circuit he would eat ice cream, but he would chew it and then spit it out. He wouldn't swallow it. He's a bizarre human being. The coconut oil that he would rub himself, I got no time for this. Nothing. But I can think out loud just how funny that is, reading that tweet and watching him. Like, this is back to when Doug Peterson first arrived here as a head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. A lot of us, and I was one of them, shamefully, of course, now the guy won a damn Super Bowl, but made fun of him because he got a rental car and didn't know how to work the headlights. He didn't know how to work the headlights. I mean, it came out. He offered that up, but still, he didn't know how to work the damn headlights. 
Somebody had to show him, pull over and everything, show him how to work the headlights on a rental car. We're thinking, this is the head coach? This is the guy charged with leading a football team? Gabe Kapler, on the other hand, did not have that level of success and was not afforded any benefit of a doubt. And I could definitely see if the Phillies had access to anything like that, Gabe Kapler was hitting the wrong buzzer, (laughs) buzzing a batter instead of his own pitcher. Oh, my goodness. All right, at Shander Shows, hey, get me on Twitter if you're interested. It is the highly anticipated return of fake news. So, can I ask you a question? Real or fake? We sift through the most important stories of the night to determine what's real. It's true. I know it's a weird thought, but it's true. And what's not. Don't believe those lies. Four stories, only three are real. It's Shander's job to pick out the fake news. All right, well, it's three. We'll get that fixed. So I don't want Jack to think that there is any extra added work here. He's done a great job preparing everything. I know Mike Hernandez has been bothering him for the last, like, hour and a half. So just the fact that the show is still on the air is beyond impressive. But here we go. You've got three stories, and I'm going to determine which of the three is fake. All right, we're going to start off in the great state that is Florida. You ready? Uh, I love Florida stories. Florida man was excuse me. Florida man had a hoverboard, steals a television, flower bouquet from Walmart, in addition to over five hundred dollars worth of groceries. That's story number one. Police. Wait, wait. Go ahead. Wait, you're saying you have more to this. Uh, police are looking for a guy, and he said he made a smooth getaway taking a television bouquet of flowers from Walmart thanks to his hoverboard. So you say a, a what bouquet of flowers? A television and a bouquet of oh, flowers. Oh, a television. Okay, and. I didn't hear the end part. I'm sorry. I was like, that's what caught me up. I'm sorry. So he takes the television and the bouquet of roses. In addition to over five... Those two included, and a total added up to over $500 worth of groceries. $500 worth of groceries? And he just walked out with it? I'm pretty sure that 500 includes the TV. So maybe okay. it's not as crazy as we expect. Just put it in the cart and then ride it around with the hoverboard or something. Well, no, he I'm... was on the hoverboard taking this stuff out? Yes. That's okay. Okay. That's what I was trying to determine here is how the hoverboard I'm sorry and again bear with me in in this segment it's never you it's always going to be me and how my brain works but he was on the hoverboard as he was what would you call it hovering out of the store with the television the flowers and I guess some groceries you could say he was riding dirty yes uh, I guess you could say that you could tell those jokes at your own risk All right, but yeah I, I think that would be the biggest issue for me is just thinking out loud right now. How the hell can the hoverboard support all of that? You would need a hovercraft, not a hoverboard, to support a television. Look, I get it now. HD TVs are much lighter than they used to be. But $500, just think about any game show. You're walking away with $500 worth of merchandise? That's a lot. That's a lot to carry on a hoverboard. All right, story one. Come on. I expected something like, you know, somebody eating zombie brains or something out of Florida. That's actually rather tame for a Florida story. 
Well, then you're going to love this one because this one is the second the second coming of Florida man, Oklahoma man. <laughs> as as a Oklahoma resident of over a year, I can assure you these people exist prominently, and I know exactly where this took place. Oklahoma man on meth steals a car from a porn video store with a goat inside of the car and get this he drove through three states this the chase started in missouri like the southern uh, southeast part of missouri drove through kansas down to oklahoma city and he was caught just outside of tulsa where i used to live uh, this was maybe four miles out next to my where i used to live so and, southeast missouri is where it began and he drove into Kansas and then into Oklahoma City and the stop and the cops eventually caught him on a speed trap and he still tried to escape the speed trap and they they're calling it a low speed chase. So all it was was the car and the goat. Was the goat still there when they got him? But here's here's where it gets in a little more in depth. There was a man in he went into the video store. He left. There was a passenger and a goat in the car. Okay. Some guy came into the car, opens the door, and just drives off. And the guy's still sleeping. The story says it's not till they got to Oklahoma that he noticed that he woke up, and apparently he was pistol whipped and let out of the car. And then as soon as he was let out of the car, he called OnStar. I assume he threw the goat out with him too. It doesn't say. And then at that point, that's when the police were able to track the car via OnStar. The car disabled it, and he was still able to only go like 15 miles an hour. And right. Then the speed trap. Uh, then they eventually laid down a speed trap, got him, and then he ran out of the car and he tried to hide in a tall blade of grass. Man, that is that's that's one, a long story. Wow. That's uh, if Oklahoma, that's fake man. and you created that, my God, hats off to you. All right, Oklahoma man now is vying for a top spot. You need a lot. You need history, I think, in order to knock off Florida man, since Florida man is just so synonymous with that. But that's a nice little entry right there for Oklahoma man. All right, story three. All right, story three. Be careful when using dating apps, apps such as Grindr, Tinder, OkCupid, and among other several dating apps, are now sharing data with third parties from Norway. Oh, of course. I mean, it's, it's Facebook. It's That's what the whole Facebook scandal was about, sharing yeah, data. I, I, I'm almost at a point right now, and, and this isn't about real or fake. I'm just saying I'm almost at a point right now where anything that comes with data, where somebody's data, is, there's a breach, or somebody's selling it, the DNA testing is now selling it, right? Anything. I'm, I'm not shocked. Are you Are you shocked at all anymore if there's a data breach at Target, a gas station, a DNA service, or anything else? I assume that whenever I get a paycheck, people at Wells Fargo is like, man, this guy only made this much money? <laughs> <laughs> what a lame But the story <laughs> does continue. It says the Norwegian Consumer Council will now be able to review all sorts of messages, including photos. That they can save in their hard drive. So, wait, is this just for people in Norway or people like you and me or anybody else in the States? According to this, it's saying that this data is being stored in the third party. But who's to say that can't get hacked? And let's say you sent a certain message to a 
certain person on this dating app or sent a certain photo, they could have access to that photo. I don't know what everyone's been doing on these dating apps or what they've been sending, but... No, your, you're right. Your privacy that... is uh, definitely not secure anymore. Hmm. I guess I would want to know yeah, where all of the data is coming from. But you're saying that specifically in this story, it's just been sold. These apps in Norway have sold it to their local government. Yes, it says data such as ethnicity, location, gender, right. and age. And, of course, you know, messages and photos are now stored in this essentially data warehouse in Norway. In Norway. Used to be then resold to any type of company so that they can get our tendencies and then brand and market to us. And, okay, makes sense. Does make sense, I'll say that. All right, let's recap the three stories real quick. So it just why don't you run through the headlines of the three stories real quick. All right, it's Florida man steals $500 worth of groceries with a hoverboard in a Walmart in Florida. Oklahoma man steals a car with a goat in it on meth. And dating apps are selling data to Norway. Meth and a goat in a car theft makes a lot of sense. All right, so... Let's talk through this. The first story, the one thing that I keep getting hung up on on the first story is that it's real, like the hoverboard, you can't put that much weight unless the guy is 80 pounds and he wasn't wearing anything heavy. But even still, you can't put that much weight on a hoverboard. And then you mentioned the OnStar thing. Something about that story about the Oklahoma man and the goat and the car being able to last that long. But you said that the guy was knocked out and woke up while they were already in Tulsa? Yes, or it was probably just outside of Tulsa because okay, he continued so, to drive is what the story said. Got it. He continued to drive post getting knocked out of the car. And then the last one, yeah, I don't know. That last one is, is interesting. It does present more of an obvious sense of realism, but I'm going to say the first story is fake. That one is actually true. Reported oh. by CBS 47, Fox 30. I need to see a picture of this guy on the hoverboard. Are we talking about a kid? Like an eight-year-old kid? Do you understand what I was saying, though? Like, hoverboard shouldn't be able to carry all that much weight. What I think what happened was he was pushing a cart while he was on the hoverboard. So he was, like, on the hoverboard, but you can still, like, push a cart. Can you do that? Apparently so, I guess. Kids these days can do whatever they want, essentially. This uh, That is bizarre, man. And the, the Oklahoma one was true as well. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That was actually uh, reported here locally on the our show called The Blitz. They do a a thing called uh, it's based like Diamond a Dozen Gem of the Day, excuse me. And they reported that a few days ago and it 
I had when I was listening, I I had to bring it to this show. The fake story is actually the Tinder story. Tinder did not Tinder Grinder. Okay, That's Cupid. Nope, they didn't sell their ads to Norway. I actually found that on the Onion. Nice. I was going to say if you either found it or created it, that was great. And I think it's just how seamless and easy it was for me to believe that yet again. Another website would sell our data. Awesome job, Jack. All right, we'll do it again next week as well. It's fake news. Eights on Shed or Espination Radio. Scratching beneath the surface. It's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Coming up Saturday, we will be on 6 to 9 Eastern in the evening, of course. So we'll lead up to the McGregor-Cerrone fight. And a couple of odds, a couple of things to talk about on that. Not touching that from a betting standpoint by any means. And it's unfortunate you can't jump in on any futures right now with the arrival of Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator. Now, he was there for three years before becoming the head coach as the OC. But if we see this specific thing play out to the level in which he is immediately or at least in the first year successful, man, watch out. I saw something that Bad Boys 4 and National Treasure 3 reportedly in the works. Aren't those those movies already out? Bad Boys 3 is coming out this weekend. Bad Boys 3. Oh, so 4. Got it, man. Jack, great job, man. Talk to you next week.